RCMP are on the hunt for two suspects in a violent crime spree that uh, began in Port Coquitlam yesterday afternoon. It started with a robbery at a car dealership and escalated to a shootout on Highway 1, snarling traffic and terrifying commuters. Uh, Coquitlam RCMP say they were called to a car dealership near Lougheed Highway and Dominion Avenue in Poco at 3.40 p.m. Here is Global BC's Emily Lazatin reporting from the scene this morning. It first started at a car dealership in Port Coquitlam near Lougheed Highway and Dominion Avenue. Uh, There's a string of car dealerships there. We don't know exactly which one. But Coquitlam RCMP says that four suspects armed with guns stole a vehicle and fled. From there, a shootout began along the highway. There was an exchange of gunfire with officers. And as you can imagine, just it was a hot pursuit. Officers are blocking intersections. Traffic started to become a standstill. The stolen vehicle eventually then crashed again to where near where I'm at, which is Highway 1 near the King Edward overpass. I believe it was there one suspect was arrested. A second suspect carjacked a nearby vehicle and was later arrested in Surrey. So today there are still two suspects at large. That is Global BC's Emily Lazatin reporting, as you can imagine, chaos, confusion and truly uh, a terrifying experience. Uh, she spoke to us this morning, or speak, spoke to our Simi Sarah this morning. I do want to say the uh, dealership in question is Journey Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram. Uh, that uh, information was provided late this morning. Uh, they also put out a statement saying, quote, the armed assailants physically battered staff and robbed them of personal belongings. They then stole a high-end vehicle to use for the getaway as well. All the staff were doing well and uh, and uh, they thank the RCMP and the BC Ambulance Service for their quick response. Now, a witness uh, captured video of part of the pursuit f- from the d- dealership at about 4 o'clock. Now, take a listen. You can actually hear the rounds being fired uh, at, at a man who is running away from police uh, down the highway. Take a listen. That it was yesterday afternoon. Now, let's put this all in context. Of course, it's snarled traffic and several key commuter routes for hours and led to the closure of a number of SkyTrain stations as well. Now, let's back up a little bit further to Sunday. Two gun-wielding robbers held up staff and patrons uh, at a popular commercial drive cafe. Vancouver police said at that time it was a takeover-style robbery of Café de Soleil in East Vancouver, and it happened at the height of the brunch uh, run, leaving over a dozen people traumatized. Once again, similar to yesterday's incident, has been described as brazen and something uh, out of a Hollywood movie. Fortunately, nobody was hurt. Joining me now to talk about Sunday's incident and yesterday's incident uh, is John Daly. John is a longtime Global BC News and CKNW crime reporter. He's covered police, the courts, talked to victims and criminals for nearly four decades in our city. John, thank you for joining us. It's always a pleasure, Jazz. So, you know, it's uh, you know, I was thinking about this, uh, this incident uh, today that transpired uh, yesterday afternoon, and of course on the Sunday incident, we spoke to the manager uh, a couple of days ago who was um, at yeah. the De Soleil. Uh, what what's your take on what's transpired this week uh, in the met- in, met- in Metro Vancouver, specific to these two incidents? This is very very troubling escalation of violence in uh, the metro area. So, number one, Cafe du Soleil and the Journey Approved Car Dealership Poco, both invasion-style takeover robberies, both of them violent, daytime, personal, gun-involved, mass robberies, multiple victims, masked armed assailants. So, the Journey Approved Car Dealership attack, if it's the same gang, represents a very serious escalation. More victims beaten and shots fired at the police. So, If they're not connected, this is very scary. I've got a little bit of news for you. I can tell you from Mm -hmm. my sources that the VPD 
and uh, Coquitlam RCMP are coordinating on these files to see if they are connected. Now, that's that's the news angle on this thing. You you know you'd think you you know that would be pretty obvious, but I haven't heard it any place up until this moment. Mm-hmm. So that's that's a major breakthrough, frankly. So the cops have two suspects in in the Coquitlam case. Uh, the Poco case, the, the uh, car dealership thing, which is great because they can uh, run their backgrounds, dump their phones, question their associates and their enemies, push paid informants and get to the bottom of this relatively soon. And that may help solve the VPD situation. Uh, and it's also a good thing, I think, that the VPD and the Coquitlam RCMP are coordinating. They'll help each other. And let's face it, each of those crews, those serious crime units and the major crime uh, case uh, squad from Vancouver know how to hold each other accountable. So this this thing should progress fairly quickly. I would hope that in the next day or two, we're going to see the other two suspects grabbed up, and we're going to find out whether these two cases are connected. But overall, this is a very scary trend. And if they're not connected, it's even scarier, because then you've got two crews. Was one a copycat of the other? Or is, or is this just a new form of violence that people here in Metro Vancouver are going to be facing. Uh, why are these criminals, whether they're, uh, these incidents are uh, connected or, as you say, they may be separate, why are criminals not scared of the repercussions? And, and, and look, criminals are criminals, but when you're, you know, this is the kind of stuff you find, you hear stories from places like L.A. or even developing oh, nations Chicago, like Mexico. Yeah, of course. Yeah, those kind of places. Why, why are they not scared? Uh, I mean, what are we doing wrong? Well, frankly, it it seems to take a long time to get the cases through the if they get apprehended. And it seems to me that these guys don't fear apprehension that much, Uh, maybe because they realize that the uh, Canadian justice system is slow and weak. And so consequently, you know, uh, charges like shooting at the police. So that's attempted murder. Right. Yeah. Because it's a lethal weapon. I mean, if the cops shoot at the bad guys, which they did in this case, they're held accountable. The IIO is going to be all over that. You know, if anybody got hurt, they'd be all over it. Uh, they're responsible. You know, they're going to be held to account by the police complaints commission and so forth. Uh, but the bad guys, you know, who holds them to account? Almost nobody. You know, if they get caught, maybe their their charges will get bargained down from attempted murder to you know possession of a firearm. Uh, you know, the stuff, essentially, the bad guys, I think, know that the chances of getting caught aren't great. And if you do get caught, the chances of getting a serious sentence aren't great. And I think that's the bottom line in all of this, frankly. It's pretty sad. So if you were to really, uh, you know, try to fix the system, and it's, it's complex, I'll be the first to admit that. Is it on the court side that we should be focusing on, or is it the policing side, like a Metro Vancouver police force or a streamlined police force of some sort, beyond this uh, sort of, um, uh, you know, sort of balkanized policing structure between RCMP and municipal police forces? I'm not saying this is what's causing this particular, these incidents. I'm just saying how do we fix this over the medium and long term? Well, I mean, the short thing, the, the quickest thing to do would be to jump on the court system. And thank God Mike DeYoung held the attorney general uh, uh, to account in the in question period a couple of weeks ago. And now we finally have David Eby giving it, uh, getting his uh, attorney general to issue a directive to the, the Crown Council to sort of let's fight these bail on, on serious offenders. Like let's and repeat mm-hmm. offenders. Let's let's kind of crack down on the the bail thing. You know, we know that you know incarcerating people overall doesn't really seem to reform them very well. It's not a great solution, but it's better than getting shot at. And innocent people could be killed. 
and the lead is flying. There's a lot more stuff going on. You know, here, here's, I mean, number one, the, the murder rate is up, which is the best indication of, uh, of violence mm-hmm. uh, in terms of crime stats. So the murder rate is way up in Canada. And, uh, you know, the number of solves in murder charges, 84 uh, percent get uh, cases, get charges laid in murder cases, but just 74 percent when the guns are involved. So mm-hmm. the sad fact of the matter is that the criminals know that using a gun in a crime is a more effective way of getting your, you know, getting what you want. And it, it also means that if you do kill somebody, the chances that you're going to be held to account for that murder are less. And that's pretty scary. That's pretty sad. So we got to hold the judges to account and we got to hold the Crown Council to account. We need court watchers inside of every provincial court and in every Supreme Court case. The issue of policing itself, I know many have said, look, one of the short-term things we can do is just more boots on the ground. Vancouver, in many ways, is is doing that with 100 police officers now. Uh, Would that help at all in regards to just greater policing as well, just in regards to fighting cases, solving cases, you know, investigation, all those types of things? I mean, it'll help a bit, and it's probably better than doing nothing. I mean, frankly, I think there should be, you know, return on investment audits. How many how many white shirts do we have? How many bosses do we have in policing? How many actual you know street level cops? How many files are each cop uh, carrying, investigating? How long does it take them to show up to a crime scene? I mean, uh, frankly, I think we should have like a, a COVID weekly briefing from the uh, attorney general and the solicitor general, uh, public safety minister, uh, just like we did with COVID. What are the stats? What are we doing about it? Are we on top of this? And, you know, let's just crack down on this. Even if we did it for six months or something, we'd probably get on top of it. How many provincial firearms officers are there? There used to be two. There may be more now. But who's tracking these guns? Where are the guns coming from? How do the bad guys get the guns? How many guns are we seizing? We just don't get this data. You know, it's like trying to find out how many cops are on the job in Surrey. (laughs) Just can't get there from here, man. Sorry, we don't have that. John, can you stick around just for a few more minutes? Sure. All right. I'm uh, speaking to my good friend John Daly, uh, of course, a longtime crime reporter for four decades. Give me a call on the open line. I want to hear from you as well. What do you think needs to be done in regards to dealing with this brazen uh, crime that we're seeing, but also just to make a dent in the crime and and send a message ultimately? Let's go to Al in Langley. Hi, Al. Good day there, Jazz and and John. Well, I think what they should do is when they're caught with a gun, any of these guys that are caught with a gun, in, with them in the car, whatever, that they automatically go to jail. There's no, the lawyers can't get them out. The, they get like six months or a year in jail automatically for mm-hmm. having a gun. And if there's four guys in the car, all four of them go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, Al, well, well, thank you. I mean, I, I, I ahead, like John. that idea. And New York tried that. They had the Sullivan Law. Mm-hmm. Uh, there have been Supreme Court challenges of it, of course, and, uh, you know, you get one innocent kid in a car with, say, two or three other bad guys who know the gun is there and the one kid doesn't. You know, there is an injustice there if the one kid gets sent to jail for a minimum sentence for being in possession of a gun that he didn't even know was in the car. Mm-hmm. So there's got to be ways of dealing. On the other hand, mandatory sentences for gun-involved crimes? Absolutely. Yeah, I don't no. think I don't think you know, any... who's tracking the guns. You know, who's done the DNA on the guns? Who's actually run the data? This is really bothering me, and I hope somebody raises that with uh, David Eby at, in forty minutes and says, "Hey, David, just how many guns have been seized by police in the last two years in British Columbia?" Let's see if he has an answer. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. Uh, let's go to uh, Chris in Penticton. Hi, Chris. Hey, hi, Jazz. I love your program, John. Nice to meet you. Um, 
actually, uh, just to further what the last person said, I agree. Uh, I mean, if you have a firearm, lung gun, pistol, whatever, if you're pulling that out automatic, as soon as you've done that, you, you, you've got to sentence them. Um, and it would make a lot of people that like hunting and that and all the stuff that's going on with the firearm stuff, they really appreciate that as well because if people are going and they should be going to jail. The other aspect to it is I would really love to start hearing from the police when they're having these encounters, were they registered legal firearms? I exactly. just, just, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for your call, Chris. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for your call, uh, John. Uh, I think he nailed it right on the head. And uh, I, there is a sense of fr- there's a complete sense of frustration out there now with the public that this stuff has just gotten way out of hand. It has gotten way out of hand, Jazz. Back end loading. You know, we're chasing our tails on this thing. We need to get in front of it. You know, I'm I'm part of the odd squad, and I hate to toot my own horn, but we do uh, you know gang and uh, drug video prevention, anti gang, anti drug stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, Doug Spencer just came back from Vernon. He's, he visited, did presentations in four different schools on this stuff in Vernon, and I think you know we gotta we gotta make an investment in the future too. And stop people, stop young young people from getting involved in this stuff. That's one way of coping with it as well. Yeah, well said, my friend, and a great time, to, a great way to end this program. It is really about awareness as well. Thank you so much for your time, John. My pleasure. Anytime, Jazz. I'll stay on top of this stuff. <laughs> I appreciate. I, 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 you know what? We're going to have you on for sure. Thank you so much. That's John Daly, uh, former crime reporter, of course, for CKNW and, and Global News. Forty years in this city.